0: All right. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Hope you all had a nice Christmas. Uh, did anybody eat too much? Anybody? I never. I don't. I don't eat too much. It was fine for me. I thought it was perfect, the perfect amount of food. You know. I can. It's a gift, really. I can just eat and eat and eat, and eat, and sleep and eat, and I never feel bad. I never feel sick. Until the day comes. When I have to hold my breath to tie my own shoes, and then I realize, I'm in a little bit of trouble here. (laughs) And then we go on a two-week diet, and we start over again. Well, we are in the book of Numbers, Uh, Numbers chapter 3. Dad started out for us today. We're going to wrap it up. Uh, Somebody was saying to me after the first service, can't we just skip the book of Numbers? And you know who you are. And for only $50, I won't tell (laughs) Pop-Up. Book of Numbers, chapter 3. Now, what is happening here is God is establishing or reestablishing the role of his people, not only in their service to him. Uh, Did we pray over the word yet? No. Let's do that first, right? prophecy conference is when 24th and 25th 25th. it's a friday and a saturday there's a sign-up sheet out there for the prophecy conference if you can make it it's friday and saturday so dad was adamant that we should have no trouble skipping that day of work on friday and going to the prophecy conference i'm hoping i can go we'll see but let's pray heavenly father we come before you in jesus name and we're so grateful for your word this book that we have in front of us father that uh, we 're so blessed to have Lord, and we confess to you, we so take it for granted, Lord, that we have your very word in our hands and in our laps lord, and and we don 't give it the preeminence that it deserves father, we don 't give it the time that it deserves, and we 're so grateful, Lord, that you know who we are, you know how we are, and you love us just the same, Father, and your grace and your mercy cover our where we lack and but we're here today, Father, and we want to study your word together, we want to hear from you today, and so we ask, Lord, that you would speak your speak Your voice, Lord, speak your will into our hearts, give us our portion of daily bread. Each person, Father, here needs to hear something uh, from you today, Lord. They need something that I could never, ever in a million years give them, Lord, but you can because you know their hearts, you know every single thing about them, Father, and I pray that you would take this portion of, of, uh, of daily bread, Father, and that you would... Uh, sustain them lord give them the life that they need through it father and give them the answers that they're looking for the hope that they're seeking father and put joy in their hearts through this word in jesus name we pray amen amen Amen. Amen. so god is establishing not only the roles of his people within the camp within the nation of israel uh, but more importantly, establishing himself in their lives, where, where not just where they fit into his kingdom, but where he fits into their lives and what they owe him, uh, what he re- requires of them, what he requires of their hand uh, in their service in their service to him, and this is very, 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 very important thing. I think for uh, each of even though we're in, in, in the age of grace, even though we're not under the law, we always need to remember, we always need to understand that God has not changed, right? Jesus said, I have not come to abolish the law. Do not think that I've come to abolish the law. I've come to fulfill the law. The essence of the law and the words of the law, Jesus said, not one jot or tittle, not one piece of punctuation from the law will pass away until all things pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. So there's nothing about God that has changed, okay? I think that that's a grave misunderstanding that people have, and a great misconception that people have when we think about our faith versus the faith of the people in the Old Testament. It's the same faith. It's the same faith. The only difference is Messiah came. Some people accepted him. Some people rejected him. But it's the exact same faith. God has not changed. And each of us as his followers, as those who have been redeemed, who have been bought with the precious blood of the Lamb, those of us who are Gentiles, there were these wild olive branches that God by his grace and mercy has grafted into the olive tree that began all the way back in the Garden of Eden and continued through Abraham and then Moses and the prophets and onwards from there. We are ingrafted into that tree. We ought to still know where we belong in the kingdom. Where does God belong in my life? We obviously know in every aspect of my lives, but these are things that we ought to be thinking about, we ought to be dwelling upon. These things, we should never take the relationship that we have with God through Jesus Christ and the grace that has been bestowed upon us as just an, uh, an attitude of flippancy, of just kind of like, yeah, I'm a Christian, and now I can just kind of do whatever I want, and blah, 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 blah. Well, you are free. You are free, but you're free from sin and death and shame and destruction. Uh, You are not free from serving Almighty God. There is still a cost that goes along with being a follower. There is still something that goes, and the cost is our lives. The Bible says offering up our bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to Him, is our reasonable service. That's just like, that's just your reasonable service. That's not extra credit. That's just what we're supposed to naturally be doing as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ. But each one of us ought to be seeking God. What is it that you want me to be doing in my life today? Where I stand now, where do I fit in? What do you want me to do? Who do I need to be ministering to? What do I need to be doing? How can I serve you? There ought to be a heart, there ought to be a natural desire within followers of Jesus Christ to serve him. Uh, and we, as Americans, living in the day and age that we live in, because of the gray, and and, and, and I always want to want to, you know, Kind of surround what I'm about to say with don't ever feel bad or don't ever feel guilty about the great blessings in your life, right? You didn't ask to be born. So I should tell my parents all the time (laughs) I didn't ask to be born. Yeah. You didn't ask to be born into the family you were born in. You didn't ask to be born into the time you were born. This was preordained by God. Understand that. The great blessings in your life, the great luxury and opulence that we live in as Americans in this day and age, God ordained you to live in this time and to live this life. Okay, so there's, no, there's never should be any feelings of guilt about what God has blessed you with. But we need to understand that the things that God has blessed you and I with and where he has put us, he put you here for a reason. He put me here for a reason. There's a job for you to be doing. And we need to be very, very careful because the very fact that we're blessed with so many luxuries is the very thing that can pull us away from God. Amen? it's so easy it's so natural for you and I to get distracted to get pulled away from the things of God that's why we come to church that's why we come to church my people I love you guys that's why we're here this is supposed to be an oasis for you and I this is an aid station right sometimes you ca- crawl here limp here get you, you bring your wreck however you can get here get here because god wants to put the sealing oint, uh, the soothing ointment and salve upon the wounds that this world has stricken you with or maybe the wounds you stricken yourself with right God wants to put his healing ointment on those things. When we read the word together, when we fellowship together, this is God is this is his family. This is this we are family here. We are gathered here to encourage one another, to exhort one another, to encourage one another in the faith and in the studying and the furthering of our faith through the word of God. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. Church is a privilege. It's a privilege. It's something that you don't have to do. It's something that you get to do. It's something that you get to do. And that's a wonderful thing. But I want to know, God, what am I supposed to be doing? Where am I supposed to be? Who am I supposed to be ministering to? And I want to be open to his voice at all times so that he can change my direction and turn me on a dime. Because the fact of the matter is, sometimes my wife will tell you, I get off the wrong exit. I do. I get off the wrong exit, or I get my eyes off of the wheel, and the next thing you know, I'm on the rumble strips, right? All the time, and this happens in my life, all the time. I need to constantly be taking inventory. What needs to change, God? What needs to be fine-tuned? What needs to be strengthened? What needs to be chiseled away? God, I want you to have every part of me. That's what he wants. What's more, children of God, that's what he wants requires that's what he requires he requires this of us now god is saying to moses to set aside a certain uh a certain group of people for the service of the tabernacle he goes through first in verse three chapter chapter three verse one um Verse five. Sorry, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, "Bring the tribe of Levi near and present them before Aaron the priest that they may serve him." First of all, the tribe of Levi—that was the tribe that Moses and Aaron were both from—and the reason that the Levites, Dad covered this this morning. One of the reasons that the Levites had been set apart by God for the priesthood was because when the children of Israel had created the golden calf, and interestingly enough, you remember who created. Created the golden calf, right? High Priest Aaron, let's hear it for him, right? High Priest Aaron creates the golden calf while Moses is up on Mount Sinai receiving the commandments of God and they begin to worship this false, this false idol. And they begin to party and commit debauchery and all sorts of, of wicked things. Moses gets down and God rumbles the earth, all this thing. The earth shakes. And Moses says, who is for the Lord? Come on this side of the line. And remember who came on that side of the line? The Levites. And their first work of ministry, it wasn't very seeker friendly. I'm just going to pre Strap a sword on. And kill every one of you, his neighbor, his friend, who was committing idolatry. And they did. And God brought judgment on the children of Israel that day. And the Levites, the Levites were the tribe that was willing to say, we are for the Lord. We are for the Lord. Even though they may 10 minutes ago have been worshiping that golden calf. Aaron was the one that built the golden calf. Remember when Moses asked them about it? what did you do? They gave me the gold and I threw it into the fire and this calf jumped out. Can you imagine he said that? He said that. God's like, there's my high priest right there. I've picked him. God has a sense of humor. Does he not? Right? Those of you who know me know how true that is. Okay. And God said, these are going to be my people, not because they were perfect, not because they hadn't committed idolatry, but because when the word came forth, who was on the Lord's side? They stepped across the line. You see the points coming right before I even say it, don't you? Who is on the Lord's side? Who is on the Lord's side? There's a line in this life, there's a line in this world, there's a line in your home, there's a line in your family. There's a line everywhere. And what God was asking of the children of Israel is who is willing to step across the line for me? Remember what Jesus Christ said. He who does not hate their mother, father, sister, brother, for my... Son. What? Jesus. What, what's, in this, what's in this juice? I mean, are you, what, what does he mean by... Uh, Jesus was not saying you need to hate your family. Please, don't ever misunderstand that. Unless let someone tell you that's what he was saying. Jesus was making a comparison... The love and devotion and commitment that we have for God compared to the love and devotion and commitment we have for even our own children should be so wide, there should be such a disparity there that it might be considered hate. Not really, but you understand the point, right? There should be such a distance between God and everyone else, between God and everything in my life. That some people, scoffers, might even be able to say he doesn't even care about his family compared to his, his whole God thing. Amen. Amen. And I will jump in front of a bus, train, bullet, whatever for my family. No problem. I really, I'm like, I'm ready to go, quite frankly. You know what I'm saying? I mean, <laughs> some of you look concerned. <laughs> I, there's, the older I get, Mr. Dowdell said this one time, the older and older I get, the less impressed I am with this world the less impressed i am with it you know what i'm saying i've experienced all the stuff man i've done all the stuff i've i held myself back from nothing right and it's empty you know, listen. Read Song of, uh, excuse me. Read Ecclesiastes. Read Ecclesiastes. Listen to what Solomon says. The richest man, the most powerful man that ever lived on the face of the planet, and he says in there, "I denied myself nothing." Solomon had three hundred wives and seven hundred concubines. That is live-in girlfriends. From all around the globe, the most beautiful women on the planet. He had opulence and wealth to the point that it says silver was like stones. You see a piece, it's just silver. (laughs) Can you imagine? That's how wealthy Israel was during the time of Solomon. And he said, And I withheld nothing from myself, I indulged in everything. And here's what I found out vanity of vanities. It's soap bubbles. It has an appearance of having form. It has an appearance of having something that you can hold on to. But when you try to grab it, there's nothing there. It's emptiness. It's emptiness. And Solomon, at the very end of the book, he says, here's what I've concluded. Serve God. Do good. And serve God. I like where the Bible says that godliness with contentment is great gain. It's great gain. I can go to a wealthy party or I can go to a wealthy home and I can go around people who have all sorts of money and there's never a time that I don't stand in a place like that and say, I'm the richest dude here. I am the richest dude here. Who among you? You know what I mean? I'm the richest person here. I don't need anything i don't have to chase anything i don't have to worry about what my neighbors think about me i mean you look at my yard i don't worry about what my neighbors think about me all my italian friends are like it's despicable it sickens me (laughs) i don't have to worry about chasing after these things because i truly at some point in my life was found by god i didn't find him I was found by him, and he gives me everything that I need to be fulfilled and content, and I'm ready to go. I believe what the Apostle Paul said. He goes, I would rather be absent from the body and present with God. It's good for you that I'm here, he said. It's good for you that I'm here and I'm writing these things for you. But I would rather be absent from the body and present with the Lord. The older I get, folks, the more I say, I would rather be absent from the body. That song we sang, when I die, don't cry for me. In my father's arms I'll be. The wounds this world left on my soul will all be healed and I'll be whole. Yeah, baby, let's go. And so what manner of lives ought we to live? That thing, that stuff that I just said is easy to say. But based upon that, how ought my life to look? I'm the first one to confess to you, not the way it does. Okay? Every day, you could follow, if you followed me around, if you were like a true stalker, right? And you followed me around i get 10 20 times during the day you'd be like are those the actions are those the actions of a man who seeks to only be walking in the lord's light all of the time you know what i'm saying he's walking in the light of twinkies he's walking in the light of you know movies or entertainment or he's walking in the light of having fun or doing this thing or doing that thing and and we are human again i always want to go back to this with you guys god knows your frame it's the little kid, it's the little toddler kid and you say, hey, daddy's out here working like a slave because of your mother and I'm sweating and I'm hurting, I've cut fi- because of your mother, remember that. And could you please get daddy a glass of water because daddy's going to go soon if I don't have. And so the toddler runs runs into the house and the toddler comes back out with a glass of water, it looks like a petri dish. Right? There's organisms. He's taken a sip. Whatever crackers were were embedded in his molars are now in the water. And it's warm. There's no ice. It's fingerprints all over. I don't know what those fingerprints are because of. What was on his hand or her hand that left a fingerprint on the glass? Nothing sanitary. I guarantee. And I never would take and receive that glass of water and dump it on their little head and smash it on the ground and go, You suck! This is hot! Now, What? You know this as parents. Oh my goodness, thank you! This is so Oh my, oh, this is so good. This is the most wonderful glass one I've ever in my life. Why? Why that water's garbage. Their service was garbage to you. It did not think it's probably you're probably going to get sick now. But what that child did because it came from their heart because they love their daddy or they love their mommy is the most precious and beautiful treasure in the world. And that's what you see as a parent. Jesus said, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the spirit to those who ask, here I am dad, here's my service (laughs) <laughs> for you, I got you some water. And he looks down and he says, "Oh, you didn't get any slimmer since the last time I look at you." This is, look at Gabriel, can you believe this? <laughs> you know? thank you. That's never. His heart, it loves you. He adores you. He didn't die for you by mistake. You are his great treasure. And in a world of pain and confusion and darkness and misery, there's no greater thing that I could ever tell you or thing to make you feel any better about you and who you are than to say that your God gave himself for you because you're his great treasure. On his birthday, you received the gift. You received the gift. He's worthy of every song we could ever sing. That song, I love it. Worthy of every breath I could ever breathe. He's worthy. Lord, what can I do? Lord, how can I be of service? Though it's miserable, though it's not ever going to be good enough, what can I do for you? God, when that line is drawn, I want to be the one that steps across it. I always want to be that guy. I have King David. What a great example. What a maniac. This guy's a maniac. out of his mind he kills people right he commits adultery has the husband it just doesn't get worse than that god says this is a man after my own heart are you are you even watching anymore you know what i mean are you i wonder sometimes the angels what they were like up there just going well he's god holy holy you know what i mean (laughs) i don't understand oh no lightning okay holy you know this man is a maniac this man isn't but but Whenever the line was drawn, David didn't step across it. He did a leaping summer flip across it. I love that portion of scripture when one of his servants, and David's seeking to buy this hill that would later become the temple mount, and he's seeking to buy it to offer sacrifices to God, and the guy says to him, David, you're my king. You're my king. You don't have to buy it from me. I'll give it to you. It's yours. Take it. And he said, no, no but surely I will pay and neither will I offer to my God that which costs me nothing because he's worthy. The word worship comes from the root words worth ship. What's he worth? Oh, he's worth everything. And there's nothing, there's nothing that I should want to keep from him. But we lie to ourselves and we make agreements with ourselves. And God knows that about you too. And He loves you just the same. We're here today for a reminder. For a reminder. He wants us to step across the line. So He chose the tribe of Levi. Uh, Verse 9, "...you shall give the Levites to Aaron and his sons. They are given entirely to him from among the children of Israel." So you shall appoint Aaron and his sons and they shall attend to their priesthood. But the outsider who comes near shall be put to death. Jesus, God was being very adamant here that only the Levites were to serve in the tabernacle and later the temple. Only the Levites, they were chosen by God and there was nothing that man could ever do to add to that. Does that make sense? God said, this is the way the worship needs to look, and this is the way I've ordained it to be, and God wasn't looking for a second opinion. I love it when people give God a second opinion. Have you ever given God a second opinion? Lord, I'd like to just chime in. <laughs> is this the board meeting? Uh, yes, I'd like to be recognized. Can I have the conch? You know what I mean? I'm going I'm I'm to help God out here. <laughs> I'm going to help God out. Listen, God, I can, we can make this better. We can, we can do this better we just need to add a few things we need to do a couple of extra things well Aaron's sons Nahab and Abihu they added a couple extra things they put some incense into the fire that God had not prescribed and fire came out from the tabernacle of the holy place and consumed them okay oh I'm glad we live in the age of grace like wow I'd like to see miracles like that oh no good for you you go I'm staying here right I'll be right here Be consumed, standing up here preaching a message, feel like I'm doing it right, and all of a sudden, what's that glow behind him? It's getting brighter, you know. Oh, boy. But God was making it very clear to not only the children of Israel, but to you and I, I don't need you to add anything to what I've done. And I don't need you to add anything to the worship I've prescribed. Nothing. Nothing. Take it as I've given it to you and rejoice in it. That's what the whole point of the manna and why Jesus said, I'm the bread come down from heaven. And he's also compared and the manna is compared to the word of God, manna, manna. It's like had a slight sweetness to it, but it was just bread. They got sick of it. They complained against it. They hated the manna. They said, they're so the manna. They were so sick of it. There was nothing you can do. There's no tomato sauce you can add to it. You can't deep fry it. There was nothing that you could... It's manna. Every day manna, 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 manna. It's nothing but manna. I'm sick to death of this manna. Oh, we want meat. We want meat to eat. And so God sent a strong wind and quail came into the camp and they were consuming the quail and stuffing it and frying it and it was so greasy and delicious and Wonderful. And while the food was still in their mouths, a plague came with that, with that quail. And they began to die. And the place of that place was called Kibroth Hatta Avah, which means Graves of Craving. The things that I crave and the things that I want to add. God says, am I enough, son? Am I enough just the way I am? Is my word enough just the way it's written? Is it enough? Oh God, it's enough. And he wants it to be enough in our lives. Verse 14, The Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai, saying, "Number the children of Levi by their fathers' houses, by their families uh, by their families. You shall number every male from a month old and above." Now remember, before this, in chapter uh, two, when God had numbered the other tribes of Israel, he, re- he only numbered the men who were of fighting age, 20 to whatever. However old, they were still strapped on a sword and could still swing a sword. The men of fighting age were numbered. Now when it came to the tribe of Levi, it's everyone from one month old and older that was counted because it's a different kind of dedication. So Moses numbered them according to the word of the Lord as he was commanded. These were the sons of Levi by their names, Gershon, Kohath, and Merari. And these are the names of the sons of Gershon by their families, Libni and Shimei, Uh, verse 22 (laughs) those who were numbered according to the number of all the males from a month old and above of those who were numbered there were 7,500 the families of the Gershonites were to camp behind the tabernacle westward and the leaders of the father's house of the Gershonites was Elisaph the son of uh, Lael the duties of the children of Gershon in the tabernacle of meeting included the tabernacle the tent with its covering, the screen for the door of the tabernacle of meeting, the screen for the door of the court, the hangings of the court, which are around the tabernacle and the altar, and their cords according to all the work relating to them. Now, you understand what's going on here. <clears throat> Where you had every tribe of Israel, there was one founding father of each tribe, the, one, the, the head of the family, the head of that tribe. His family was numbered. When it came to Levi, it was these three. Because they were going to be chosen by God for specific works of service. Okay? The family of Gershon, you see, we just read, their job is going to be to carry all of the fabrics, the coverings for the tabernacle of meeting. Verse 27 From Kohath came the family of the Amramites, and the family of the Israelites, and the family of the Hebronites, and the family of the Uzielites. I mean, why? You know what I'm saying? Can't it be like, you know, Smith? I, I like our names a little bit better. These were the families of the Kohathites. According to the number of all the males from a month old and above, there were 8,600 keeping charge of the sanctuary. The families of the children of Kohath were to camp on the south side of the tabernacle. And the leader of the father's house of the families of the Kohath was Elezaphan, the son of Uziel. Their duty included the ark, the table, the lampstand, the altars, the utensils of the sanctuary with which they ministered, the screen, and all the work relating to them. So now this second family, the families of Kohath, their duty, and these are all Levites, okay? these are families within the tribe of Levi, their duty was to deal with all of the utensils, the Ark of the Covenant, the lampstand, the table of showbread. Now, we're going to find out later on that they didn't just walk into the, to the most holy place and grab the Ark, I got this, and who got you know, No, 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 no. It, would be, it was to be covered first. There was the special poles that went through it. It was to be taken out by Moses and Aaron only. They just walked in there to grab the ark because it's moving time and they get smoked. It had been prepared first. And there was no cart for the ark of the covenant. We're going to find out later that the, the families that their duty was to take the, uh, all of the coverings for the tabernacle. And then the next family we're going to talk about whose job was all of the, the pillars and the posts and the boards and stuff. They had carts. That they were given with which to carry all of these things, but the family, the Kohathites, whose job it was to carry the articles of the tabernacle—that is, the utensils, all of the ark and the table of showbread and the lampstand and all of these things—there was no cart. They were to be carried, and they were to be carried in the prescribed way specifically. And any deviation from that, and there would be death. Later on, as we get into the book of first the books of First and Second Samuel. We have the account where the Ark of the Covenant has been taken away by the Philistines and then a plague breaks out amongst them so they send it back up. They put it on a cart and they send it back up towards the camp of Israel and as they're bringing it up, <clears throat> this one, one of David's men, the cart, uh, the cart rocks and it looks like the Ark of the Covenant is going to fall off the cart. And so Uzziah reaches out with his hand to steady the Ark of the Covenant and God strikes him and he dies. And David was angry, the Bible said. He was angry because God had done this thing. But God had already told them years past the prescribed way in which the Ark of the Covenant was to be handled and which it, in the way in which it was to be carried. And he was not joking. And times had not changed. And we do things differently now. It was the same prescribed way. And so as good as this young man's intentions were, when he reached out to touch the glory that God had said, no man may touch the glory and live, he paid the price. I'm sure we'll see Uzziah in heaven. You know what I mean? And he'd be like, oh, Uzziah, what's up, buddy? Tough break. I wonder what your job's going to be in the millennial reign. I'm going to be the guy going around saying, don't touch that. Don't touch that. Trust me. (laughs) Don't touch that. Okay. Can't touch this. (laughs) See what you did? And Eleazar the son of Aaron the priest was to be chief over the leaders of the Levites, uh, with excuse me, uh, with oversight of those who kept charge of the sanctuary. From Merari came the family of the Mahlites and the family of the Mushites, or Mushites. <laughs> These were the families of Merari, and those who were numbered according to the number of all the males from a month old and above were six thousand two hundred. The leader of the father's house of the families of Merari was Zuriel, the son of Abihele. These were to camp on the north side of the tabernacle, and the appointed duty of the children of Merari included the boards of the tabernacle, its bars, its pillars, its sockets, its utensils, all the work relating to them, and the pillars of the court all around with their sockets, their pegs, and their cords. Moreover, those who were to camp before the tabernacle on the east, before the tabernacle of meeting, were Moses, Aaron, and his sons, keeping charge of the sanctuary to meet the needs of the children of Israel. But the outsider who came near was to be put to death all who were numbered of the levites whom moses and aaron numbered at the commandment of the lord by their families all the males from a month old and above were 22,000 and i love how god arranges them because he puts a group of these levites on every side of the tabernacle on every side of the tabernacle was a group of levites whose job it was to minister in some portion of worship in the tabernacle not only to be close to the tabernacle but also to be a buffer between the tabernacle and the people. I want to read a verse for you. Uh, well, let's see. This is 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 1 through 10. This is to you, and this is to me, and this is the apostle Peter, okay, speaking to us. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babies, desire the pure milk of the word. You ever see a newborn? You ever have a newborn around? They're always rooting. They're like, mm, 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 like this. You're holding their little head starts going, dunk, 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 dunk. what's wrong with this kid? You know what I mean? He's looking for milk. She's looking for milk. And They're rooting around, right? Just looking for milk. They want it so bad. You know what I mean? They want it so bad, and then they're four, and it's weird. And they still want it. You ever see that? That's weird. But anyways, Peter says, that's how I want you to desire the word, like babes. Don't make it difficult. Don't make it something hard. Just like babies that desire milk, desire the word, that you may grow thereby. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, I have, coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore it is also contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, that's you and I, he, that is Jesus, is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling in a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. But you, but you, that's you, and that's me, are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation... His own special people that you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. You are a part of a holy nation, a royal priesthood. And part of what God is calling you and I to do is to also encamp around the truth of God, around the ministry of God, and to be a buffer between him and the people in our lives who don't know him, who don't understand him, who may be taken for granted, who maybe are angry with him, who maybe are flippant about it. You and I are that buffer. You and I, that's what he means by a royal priesthood, a holy nation, that's what God had originally wanted for the children of Israel. He says that in Exodus 19.6. He says, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests. Interesting. A holy nation. A kingdom of priests. Not just, not just one group of guys. Not just one tribe. I, you're going to a kingdom of priests in a holy nation. To be a light and to be a buffer between the world and God to the people to be a buffer, and to be proclaimers of the truth of God's word and of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, Okay, whoops, I I skipped way forward. So, last thing I want to say, I'm going to close with this, okay? We're going to fly down from verse 40. The Lord said to Moses, "'Number all the firstborn males of the children of Israel from a month old and above, and take the number of their names.'" And you shall take the Levites for me, I am the Lord, instead of all the firstborn among the children of Israel, and the livestock of the Levites, instead of all the firstborn among the livestock of the children of Israel. So Moses numbered all the firstborn among the children of Israel as the Lord commanded him. And all the firstborn males, according to the number of names from a month old and above, of those who were numbered of them were 22,273. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the Levites instead of all the firstborn among the children of Israel, and the livestock of the Levites instead of their livestock. The Levites shall be mine. I am the Lord. And for the redemption of the 273 of the firstborn of the children of Israel, who are more than the number of the Levites, you shall take five shekels for each one individually. You shall take them in the currency of the shekel of the sanctuary, the shekel of 20 gerahs. And you shall give the money with, <clears throat> with which the excess number of them is redeemed to Aaron and his sons. So Moses took the redemption money from those who were over and above those who were redeemed by the Levites. From the firstborn of the children of Israel he took the money, 1,365 shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary. And Moses gave their redemption money to Aaron and his sons, according to the word of the Lord, as the Lord commanded Moses. So what's happening here is God is saying, and God had proclaimed earlier, the firstborn the firstborn child that breaks the matrix, that opens the womb, and all the firstborn males belong to me. This was instituted in Egypt after the angel of death passed over uh, Well, passed over the Jewish houses and went into the house of the Egyptians. Remember, in every firstborn in the house of the Egyptians, without blood on the lentils, without blood on the doorposts, every house that didn't have the blood of the lamb on the doorposts, The firstborn died. And from that moment on, and remember, that was the thing with which God used to release the children of Israel finally from the bondage of the Egyptians. Finally, the Pharaoh said, get out of here. And from that day forward, God said, the firstborn belong to me. The firstborn belong to me. The firstborn are mine. Now, God is now implementing that into the priesthood in this way. Rather than every firstborn child or every firstborn male being born, having to be then dedicated to God and put into the service of God, a Levite would be put in service of God in his place. Does that make sense? Because God chose the Levites. So my firstborn, my son, he doesn't have to go be a priest. He doesn't have to go into the priesthood. He is covered by the Levites, the Levites themselves, every single one of them is a covering, is a replacement for my firstborn. They're standing in the gap. They're standing in the gap. They're a replacement, an atonement, if you will. Right? Everything always points to Jesus, everything. So in place of my firstborn son, a Levite is offered to God and put into the service of the tabernacle. And now <clears throat> the, when it came to the shekels, all that was, there was more firstborns among the 12 tribes, the 11 tribes rather then there were Levites that were numbered. And so for that excess numbers where there wasn't a Levite to be, to be put into service in place of this firstborn, five shekels. I wonder how they decided that. You know what I'm saying? Like, why me? Why do I got to pay five? You know this happened, right? There's two million people. You know when they came back and were like, we need five shekels from you. Well, how come Joe didn't have to give five shekels? Why, why do I have to give five Show There wasn't enough Levites. Well, why, wasn't, why didn't the Levite go for my son? Are you saying that his son's the king? This is the way I see it. I see things happen like that. God knows the people. Turn over the shekel or the sanctuary is going to burn you. How's that sound? You know what I mean? It'd be a lot easier to be a pastor in those days. You know what I'm saying? Hey, I'll see you Sunday or God's going to burn you. Okay? Sounds good. All right, see you then. All right? Bring your shekels. <laughs> We're going to pass the hat again. All right, guys. Oh, is there, that fire's not for me. Okay? Uh, But God putting the Levites into service, putting the Levites into service, but making all of the people of the nation of Israel a part of that ministry, a part of that service, everything. It was a royal, just as God had said, this is what his desire was, that they would be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. The Levites were chosen by God, but that didn't make them any more special than anybody else. And that's the last thing I wanted to touch on. and We're done here. But the last thing I wanted to touch on was there is no one service towards God that's more special than another. When you get to, well, we're going to be glorified, so nothing's going to shock us, right? When we see Jesus, we're going to be like Him. Thank God, because otherwise, you go in just like like you are now. You'd, you'd probably die instantaneously. But even if you survived the fire, right? <laughs> even if you survive, and then you get to the table, and you see the people who are at the front of the line, and I bet you'd be shocked. Where's Billy? Where's Billy Graham? How the hell is Billy not up there? Who's that guy? Who's that guy? He's a janitor. Who's that guy? He was homeless. Who's that lady? No one that anybody knew. But her heart was pure before the Lord, and her service was pure before the Lord, and she's as valuable as the Apostle Paul, and she's as worthy as Peter. And she's as great in the kingdom as anybody else, because her service was pure, and her service was true. And when God said, who will step across the line for me, she jumped. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you uh, for your word, Lord, and thank you for all the tidbits and and truths that you've given us, uh, Lord, in the books of the law pertaining to our relationship with you, Father, even as Gentiles. We're so grateful you've grafted us into your family, Father, and you've made us a part of this kingdom of priests and uh, just the flattering words that you use to describe us, Lord God. Uh, We understand that we're not worthy of, and yet you've made us worthy by the blood of the Lamb, by the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ, and you've touched our unclean lips, Lord, with the burning coal of your Holy Spirit, and you've put us into the ministry, Lord, every one of us to be used by you, Father, to proclaim the truth of your word, the truth of the kingdom, and of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And for that, we are so truly grateful, Father. And we're so thankful for what you've done. I pray that you would bless us as we go our way, Father, that you would cause these things that we've talked about today to be written on the tablets of our hearts. And everywhere we go, Father, to see more family, Lord, to go back to work, wherever it is that we go, Lord, these words would go with us. And we would be ready, always ready, Lord, to step across the line for you. Always be ready to make a stand. Always be ready to proclaim the truth, Lord, should we be questioned or asked or put on the spot. Lord, we would never be ashamed of who we are in your kingdom, Father, and how we feel about you and how we trust in your son for our salvation lord we ask and pray father that you would make us exactly who you need us to be and i pray that you bless my brothers and sisters who are here i pray that you bless them with health father i pray that you would bless them uh with financial peace lord i pray that you would bless them most importantly with the power and the filling of your holy spirit lord god so that even if they don't get the first two things you're enough lord i pray that you would always be enough for every single one of us lord and we would always look to you for our hope and for our joy lord Thank you, we love you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks, everybody.